Welcome to the Classroom to Career Podcast, where you and Brentwood students will learn the careers and experiences of the wonderful people on Long Island. Hello, everyone. I hope all of you are well and hydrated. My name is Joshua Castellanos, and today I'm here with my colleague Juan Delgado. Juan Carlos Delgado to you. Uh, my fault, my fault. Juan Carlos Delgado the third. Exactly the third. <laughs> I think you're Real the third. Specific. But yeah, so we have Juan Delgado here, and today we will begin the discussion and inform all of you on the recent COVID-19 procedures and processes with certain vaccines with the lovely Miss Jessica Cruz. If you would like to introduce yourself to the audience. Hi, everyone. Thank you for that lovely introduction. Uh, so my name is Jessica Cruz, and uh, I've been working with Sartorius for about uh, five, five and a half years now. Um, and I just want to say that when I started here, you know, no one knew that this is what we would kind of get ourselves into this very important uh, part in this whole pandemic. And so I'm really lucky to be a part of it. And, and I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to answer any mm. questions you have. <laughs> really excited. So, yeah. Um, with that little introduction, I would like to uh, add a little bit more information about Miss Cruz. So and to inform you all on Miss Cruz, <laughs> she is currently overseas in Europe, which is actually that crazy. That sounds awesome. Yeah, that sounds Your great. Your company sends you to Europe. <laughs> So Ms. Cruz is currently overseas in Europe, working with equipment to solve and fight against COVID-19 with notable vaccine manufacturers. She joined Satoris, as she said, in 2016 as a technical sales engineer at the Cells Culture Technology Operations Team. In 2018, she became an engineer with the FMT PD Group and has a bachelor's degree of engineering from Stony Brook University. As of right now, she's nearly completed with her master's in material science and engineering and has prom promoted to manager of freeze and thaw single use engineering. I feel like that that's took something. a long time. Wow. You guys did your time. research. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. With the help of Miss Little, of course. Yeah, we, we yeah, got a little help, but nonetheless, you know, we wanted to we wanted to like have all the information that we could so that we, you know, we can inform the audience. And so, yeah. you know, that way we can just show you that we actually do care. So, yeah. yeah. And I've got even like a little happy update there. I actually did <laughs> just complete uh, my master's. So oh, it's done. Well, perfect. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Congrats. So Wait, that's definitely good. Were you continuing it at Stony Brook? Yeah. Damn. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I did. I was fortunate enough that um, Sartorius actually sponsored me. So I was able to um, go to school while I was working and it was paid for by my company. So it was really great. Yeah. Much love to Sartorius then. That's Much amazing. love to Sartorius. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess, you know, let's start the interview. And of course, sure. you know, me and Juan have been talking about this like the entire time. So we might as well just say it off the bat. How is Europe? Like, you know, how is Europe? I mean, you what have to sites seen, did you go to yeah, after you have before to have seen work, like of a course. Bunch of good stuff. I mean, it's definitely a different kind of trip uh, before COVID. I'm, I'm so lucky with this company to be able to travel. It's one of the things I love about working here. I've been to Germany, I'm in France right now. Um, but before COVID, I've only spent about like one to three days here. I've been here for about three weeks now. 
So it's definitely the longest trip I've ever had. And it's given me the opportunity to have some weekends and do things on the weekends. I've been able to explore and it's very beautiful here. How uh, my French has not friends? improved. <laughs> what? How jealous are your friends right now? I would be. You know, honestly, I th I don't think I'm allowed to talk about it anymore. Oprah. <laughs> it just it the work speaks for itself. <laughs> no, but it's it's definitely really nice to be here. Um, but different, you know. I mean, people are surprised I'm even able to travel here. Um, you know, with all the restrictions in place. Uh, so de definitely different. Yeah, I mean, I've I've seen from like, you know, a bunch of books that I've seen and even images itself, like Europe is a great place. And I definitely want to see if I can go a horn. So, I want I want to show this man so, like oh how to gosh. eat a baguette. <laughs> yeah, it would be so great. <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, definitely. I, I like this weekend. I'm going to try to do some hiking. They have really beautiful sites around here. Ooh. So I said, you know what? Take advantage of this really great opportunity and enjoy myself. Yeah, so, definitely enjoy it. Enjoy it for as long as you can. Yeah. <laughs> what school did you go when you grew up? When you're while you were growing up? You mean like my my high school, like yeah. as far back yeah. as that? <laughs> well, I'm from New York City, so um, I went to Manhattan Center for Science and Math. Oh. It's in Harlem. Um, really great school, right in the heart of Harlem. Uh, basically, a science and math school, but they had so many different programs there, and I met like people from all over there. It was like a really like melting pot uh, experience for me. And I was really glad to be able to go there. And then, you know, I went to Stony Brook for undergrad and grad. Uh, so I guess it's quite a short list. <laughs> <laughs> Low key, I've been also wondering if I want to go to um, Stony Brook. How is the campus there? It's really nice. I mean, it's kind of why I also went back. Like, you know, I have this love for it. <laughs> Definitely. It's like nostalgic for me. Mm -hmm. um, it's a really nice campus. Even now, like every time I go back, something has changed and mm -hmm. they're constantly updating it and upgrading. And I'm just like, oh, that's not fair. That wasn't here when I was a student. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> it's definitely, uh, yeah, I think there's like, aside from the campus and like what there is to do outside of school, like even the school activities, like they're just growing in terms of what they can offer students. And it's just so, so great. If you don't mind me asking, is there any teachers you want to shout out? Because I feel like, I feel like, you know, there has to be some kind of teacher that's helped you along the line. Definitely. You. So actually there's a teacher that is the reason I have this job and I have Ooh. this experience right now. His name is Jim Quinn and the Department of Material Science. And he is absolutely amazing. And uh, I'm so glad that one day I went up to him and I said, you know, hey, do you know of any companies looking to hire? And he gave me the name of Sartorius and that started my journey. And honestly, I, I got to give it to him. <laughs> now you're here in Europe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've been um reading a book called Hardball due to um I have I didn't learn about this book until AP government forced me to read it. <laughs> and it told me one of the most important things was like, you know, getting to know people because that's how you would expand from one place to another. So it's cool to hear that you just said that. Yep. That you yeah, can be an example. Someone else. 
And when that happened, I wasn't even a student. So I had already graduated and I was working at another company. And I just kind of went back to visit and just, you know, talk to my teachers. And and it's really great to make those connections because you never know when an opportunity comes up that they might think of you and, you know, they might send it your way. Um, I know I definitely do. Like there have been people that I've met or students that I met. Actually, I hired someone for Sartorius and um, when his resume came across my desk, I remembered that I went to kind of like an alumni, alumni mm. student night thing and he was presenting and oh. I remembered him. And so that definitely stuck out to me when I had to like interview him for a job and, and he ended up getting the job and he's doing amazing right now. So you never know. It's like passing it forward. <laughs> yeah. So, well, now that we, you know, at least got to like know around, like, you know, where you had school at, can you be able to tell us uh, what your favorite subject was in school and what was your least favorite subject? Hmm. So I would say it was definitely a competition between math and physics. Hmm. Like I was a diehard math fan. Like I was like, I'm going to be a math teacher. I'll be a professor. It's going to be great. And then I had a physics course. And I absolutely fell in love with physics. And I was like, oh, man, <laughs> this is great. <laughs> and, and that's kind of what brought me to engineering. Because I was like, OK, what, what is a, something I could do that could kind of like combine the two? And so that's how I ended up here. Um, but those were like my two favorite subjects. I did horrible in my <laughs> physics class. <laughs> I, don't... I was actually trying to avoid it. Like, oh. I was. I had like a uh, one class, like, uh, you know, I ran out of choices and I was like, oh, what can I take? I don't want to take physics. I heard physics is so hard. And then I ended up having to take it just by necessity. And I had such a great um, teacher and he just kind of made it fun, you know, and it really helped. So, yeah. My teacher was also great, but it's not the same when you're learning through a com like i felt like yeah. i truly started uh, learning yeah. when i was actually like i don't know there was like a thing for us to like prepare for our ap exams and so we we were allowed to like go in fully but just us and i felt like that's when i actually started like i had two weeks to prepare for all <laughs> That's hard. Yeah. I know like um, throughout the pandemic when I was even going through my graduate classes online and working, you know, it was definitely a challenge, but I almost preferred it because they were recorded. Mm -hmm. So let's say if Dude I needed to review it, I could just rewind it and like watch it over. And that was, that was nice. I don't know how it was for you, but I, I enjoyed that. Yeah. They, some, <laughs> Some of my teachers did not know that was a function until we told them, <laughs> like, a month into school. Yeah. It was kind yeah. of difficult. But, you know, nonetheless, uh, I mean, for me at least, I kind of, you know, had to drag my body across the floor in order to get by. Get by. Yeah. Besides bad memories, what are the best memories you've had growing up? Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, definitely... Time with family because, like, I'm one of nine, so I have a very large family. Wow. And so, like, 
just my brothers and sisters, like we did everything together. You know, we were hopeful, you know, we needed to play baseball. We got a team, you know, we had basketball, <laughs> like, you know, it was awesome. So, you know, we had a really great time. And so, yeah, definitely family time. Family barbecues good? Family barbecues were definitely good. <laughs> <Question>. <laughs> really good. Don't don't talk to me about it. I'm going to miss it too much. <laughs> I mean, French food is great, but I am missing that, like, those rice and beans. Oh, like, yeah, that, I agree. That traditional dish. Question, <laughs> where, is, where is your family from? I'm from Puerto Rico. Oh, yeah. nice. Yeah. Some nice Which, representation. We also have a site there. And I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> so, uh, did you have a love for science before coming into the field? I mean, you know, like you told us before, you weren't yeah. so much into physics. You was all about, you know, math and you stuff like to that. Avoid so, it. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, you know, did you even have like at least a little bit of love for science before you came in? Oh, definitely. I think that it's all about perspective. Like when we think of love for science, we think, oh, this person just wants to be a researcher in a lab and that's what they want to do with their life. And I thought, well, that's not exactly what I want to do. Um, but I've learned that science is so much more than that. Um, you know, it, it really can come from anywhere. Uh, you really have to be creative, which for me is kind of like a little bit of art mixed in with it. Um, so it's really based on your perspective on like how you define your love. And so, you know, I, I feel like it was always there. I just mm -hmm. didn't really know it. So, I definitely like that you said that because later on we have a question about that. Uh, go ahead, Juan. Yeah. Specifically, why did you decide to work in the field room? So um, I actually didn't. <laughs> it kind of uh, <laughs> fell in my lap. And I, I think that's also a really good message to put out there that sometimes like, you don't always end up where you expect to end up and it can be better than you ever hoped. You know, um, my path in college was, was kind of winding. You know, I tried many different things and then I eventually ended up in, um, you know, engineering. And then I started at a manufacturing company uh, doing custom injection molding. So I wasn't in like the bio biotech world at all. And um, then I, you know, had this new job. I tried to, just wanted to try out and I wasn't really sure how I was going to fit in because I'm not a biologist. I'm not a chemist. And, you know, so many people in this field, that's their background. So I sort of didn't really fit the common background. Um, but I thought, hey, let me just try it and see what happens. And throughout this process, I've learned so much about, you know, biopharmaceuticals. I've learned through the journey. And so I really like where I ended up and I want to stay in this industry, but I wouldn't say I was planned for it, but it was kind of a happy surprise. <laughs> Always yeah. a good outcome. So no. uh, is that all of our personal questions? Yeah. I believe oh, wow. So. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, uh, wait, we got, you know, we wait, got wait, to hold on. Oh, oh, oh. What do you have, Juan? Oh, there's a follow-up. Personal, <laughs> personal music choices as a child compared to today. I oh. like that. I like that. Me and Juan are kind of music nerds, so we kind of want to understand what kind of music you like. So I was born and raised in Brooklyn, so <laughs> definitely grew up on hip-hop and R&B. That was, like, mm -hmm. solid. You, you had to, like, you know, <laughs> you're, you're from Brooklyn. Um, but then, you know, as I 
moved to Manhattan, like met all different types of cultures and stuff. I kind of went into rock and oh. absolutely fell in love with rock. Um, so I, I think like my taste is very eclectic. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. I explore a lot of things. Um, except country. I'm sorry. I can't really get country. <laughs> uh, I've tried. <laughs> it's just not, it's not sinking in. I, I could definitely <laughs> give you an artist. I found, I found a country artist and they're actually good. I could, I could I try and get you that on. It's really interesting now how like a lot of like hip hop and rap is like mixing with country. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's really interesting and fun. So I'm like, okay, yeah. maybe. Whenever <laughs> I hear someone speak about, oh yeah, like country is horrible. And like rap and hip hop are also R and B and all that. I just keep reminding myself that Kanye always uses country songs. Oh yeah, from that one interview. Yeah, <laughs> where he's like, if you took my song and turned it into a you know country song, it kind of sounds like a country song either way. <laughs> I love I love when he used the. Um... When when you use heartless <laughs> to try and show it out because yeah, it really did sound it really did sound like a country song. I I, I can see that I can see that. But yeah, I mean but that's nice. that's good. That was a good question. <laughs> Any rock bands recommendation? Oh God, uh, la, 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 la. I'm really name name three if age. you can. Name three <laughs> if you can. That? What? Name three if you can. I will name my first love. Ooh. <laughs> like. Who I fell in love with that really like brought me into rock, and that's Lincoln Park. Mm. So like, oh, Lincoln Park is good. Lincoln I just Park's have good. to like that is like the first rock band I ever heard ever, mm-hmm. and I was just like, wow, this is really great. And then that opened the door for me. Uh, so I gotta give it to them. <laughs> um, but now I'm more expanding into like folk rock oh, <laughs> like, okay, like nice. i listen to that on the drive home you know <laughs> so, <laughs> but it's it's different i wouldn't say it's like really like pumped and exciting but it's chill mm-hmm. um and so let me see uh of monsters and men i believe and, i've heard of them i believe i've heard of them yes and um there's even more chill version <laughs> which is called city and color it's a, a good band. That sounds edgy yeah, and cool. That, that sounds like a good band. <laughs> I like the name. Another, yeah. Another question. What keeps you motivated? Ooh. That's a good one. That's something I'm trying to figure out. <laughs> no, but uh, <laughs> I would say that definitely, like, I don't know. I've just always been pushing for more in my life. Like, you know, I wanted to see what was on the other side. And uh, I, I think like, you know, even through school when things get hard, you just got to know that like, you're going to get to the other end. Like the, you think about things in shorter terms, not like this is what's happening right now. I'm going to be done in a week. I'm going to be done in a couple of days. I'm going to be done in a couple of hours. It makes it a lot easier for you. Um, but even now, like this trip, as nice as it sounds, it is difficult to be away from my friends and family for so long. But what keeps me motivated is that like, I know uh, what I'm doing matters, that mm-hmm. I'm really making a difference. And so that's what keeps me here. And that's what keeps me really pushing um, to do the best I can. I'm touched. Yeah, I'm for- <laughs> definitely for like, your families and friends. I bet they're, you know, even though they miss you, I feel like, you know, they're jealous, but also proud that you're doing what you're doing. <laughs> Frap. You go get it. Yeah, thanks, yeah. guys. <laughs> <laughs> For 
for me, it's the fact that I'm able to talk to like. It's cool because like we had a CEO one time. Oh yes, the CEO of the Dario. Yeah, that was crazy cool. He's um he's selling strings. His company's selling strings all around the world that even professional music artists would choose over anything. That to me is cool. Uh, I've I've I know a couple of friends that work for that company. It's a good oh, company. Oh, yeah. Nice. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I actually met a CEO the other day. <laughs> Like I, that's a thing. Like I'm here alone, you know, and I'm very social. I talk to a lot of people. So I was just talking to this CEO that just sold this company and is traveling around the world. And I was like, that's so cool. That sounds like the <laughs> He's definitely enjoying himself. Or definitely. I wish I could be that so nonchalant about a list of huh which country haven't i checked off yet? Yeah. exactly i'm like okay one day we'll get there <laughs> now for our professional questions the pandemic has really changed the ways companies have done things what did satorius do in order to protect the ten thousand plus workers you guys got well, um, you know, I really had to think about that because I have my own experience and then I have to think about the company as a whole. And I know one of the first things that we did at the start of the pandemic was that most of the staff was converted to remote working where, wherever there was possible. So they were given all of the um, hardware and technology that they needed um, to be able to do their work. So definitely the IT team like those guys are amazing they uh provided assistance to everyone just to make sure everything was up and running smoothly for essential roles most like my department um things didn't really change much for us you know we work in a lab setting and we were pretty much on site from day one uh so we really had to figure out ways to continue working on site and um and especially for places like here in France, for a manufacturing site, they also had to continue. Uh, so definitely we were using uh, the necessary PPE, uh, you know, masks, gloves, face shields. And uh, what's really great is since our products are produced in a clean room setting, the PPE wasn't too different from our day-to-day -day practices. Uh, so, for example, in the clean room production facility, they were pretty much already wearing everything they needed <laughs> to be wearing. Uh, so it was normal day-to-day -day work for them. Uh, but for us in the lab setting, maybe I would say like the masks and the face shields were definitely an addition uh, to our lab coats and our gloves and our goggles. And um, But, you know, it was just a slight adjustment for us. Um, mm -hmm. And I think Sartorius definitely took care of us. Uh, now we're practicing more of a hybrid approach where um, some of the staff are coming back into the office. And while many of the roles are still working remotely as, as much as possible, um, you know, we have some partial in office and partial re uh, remote work that's going on. And then, you know, additionally, they um, were providing voluntary COVID testing on site. So if you wanted to get a test, you could get a test you know, right on site. Um, so that was definitely helpful to make, you know, all the employees that were working on site feel safe. So I think that was definitely good in that sense. What was um, your personal experience? Like anything that was like hard, anything that, you know, was, well, I mean, you have discussed about it like before previously, but if you could like, you know, get into more detail, like how was it with you trying to cooperate with coworkers and such else? Yeah, I think uh, just, 
you know, there was a lot of uncertainty in the beginning. Uh, so just like figuring it all out, you know, uh, we couldn't sit at our own desks, obviously, um, you know, wanted to be social, di socially distant. And I know everyone had a different comfort level. So um, I was working from home as much as I could. And then when I did come to the office, I would work in a, a meeting room. <laughs> so I wouldn't work out in the open. <laughs> so it took a while for me to become comfortable with like really fully being there on site again. Um, and so, you know, everyone was kind of working within their own comfort level. And at, you know, at one point I said, because we were also hiring and so our team was growing. Um, so I said, you know, we have so many people on site and I want us all to feel comfortable. Not, I know if I'm not feeling a hundred percent comfortable, maybe there are other people that aren't feeling as comfortable as well. So I reached out to my boss and I said, I want to get some N95 masks. Like I know we have. Uh, the masks and that's great, but there are a lot of us and working in close quarters and he supported me all the way. And so I was able to provide that for everyone. So that way we can feel, you know, as safe as possible working with each other. And that helped me as well get back in there um, knowing that I definitely felt better about it. Team player to the fullest. <laughs> Supporting all of your troops. Those N95. Yeah. And, and you know what? This is actually before I became manager. And I think it definitely helped me get this role um, because I'm always looking out for the people. You know, um, I'm a project leader. And so even if they're, they weren't technically my staff at that point, they're, they're my people. And if, if one of us is sick and has to, um, you know, get, get out of work for the day, we have to close the entire lab. Like that's going to affect all of us. Um, so I want to make sure that we're all okay. And yeah, I fight for my people. <laughs> About this oh. N95 mask. To me, that was like the standard. Like I, I got jealous of not having one for the people that did have <laughs> one. Like I would, I would be in um, you know, when I came to school, like there would be like, oh, people that have like two masks on because of that one CDC regulation where it's like, oh, it's better to have both of them on. But everyone would still say, oh, yeah, but you just need still one at the time. You just need just one N95 mask and you're still good. To me, that was awesome. <laughs> I was like, that yeah. has the ability. I could just use one. That to me, that's a really good idea. The masks the mask have like shape shift and, and just yeah, like, like something else. Like, yeah, I didn't even, yeah. like, I didn't even know the name. I just called it a mask. And it's like, oh, no, it's a surgical and, Do you remember, like, it was really hard to get a hold of them? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and now it's yeah. everywhere. Yeah. They're everywhere. My dad and mom kept me in, like, my room with my sister. We were just like, yeah, we don't have those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just got to, like, do the best you can at that time. I remember even, like, going to the grocery store with, you know, all my gloves on and just, like, <laughs> figuring it out and... Uh, it was definitely uh, interesting living in a movie. <laughs> really? like. Yeah, this uh, Very... this is definitely a movie. Hopefully, yeah. once in a lifetime experience. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, this doesn't happen for like a hundred plus years, because <laughs> this is. I, I will say, like outside of like being on site and you know protection, um, there were other changes that are not really seen. You know, and and for someone like in my role, um, we were definitely working a lot more, especially mm. with the pressure to get the vaccine out as soon as possible. Um, you know, this pressure on the side of, you know, technology providers like us that we have to get solutions out as fast as possible. So I know myself and a, a couple of other workers were working literally every day. Like there were no days off 
but we were driven. Like we all wanted to solve this. Um, and that's one of the unseen impacts that, you know, even if you're working from home, that sometimes you're working more um, because you have to. Uh, that has lessened, thankfully. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, at the beginning, that, that's, that's how it was. I really like the fact that he was talking about, you know, being a team player and being like a person that cared for, you know, their group, like even before you became manager. So I feel like that definitely, you know, was a small light that showed that you had the position and then boom, you became it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. One of the questions I had in my interview was what are your colleagues going to think of you getting this role? And my answer was finally. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Hey, if you've been taking care of them for so long, might as well. Right. <laughs> No, and I have a really great team and they and they also fully support me. So it, it's a good feeling. It's, it's a good feeling. Yeah. So while coming up with these questions, Juan and I discussed the equipment that you were currently working on. If possible, can you be able to elaborate what you were doing with the Satoris Celsius MFT for the viewers and ourselves? Sure. So um, the product that I am the project leader for is called the Celsius FFT. Uh, which stands for flexible freeze and thaw. So to put it, I guess, simply, it's a storage and shipment container. So it provides a robust solution for our customers to safely and confidently transport bulk drug substances, such as vaccines, around the world. And uh, one of the main benefits of this product is that it can store drug substances at low temperatures down to negative 80 degrees Celsius, which if you recall for the Pfizer vaccine, it must be stored at negative 70 degrees Celsius. So this is kind of, you know, where this technology comes into play. Uh. So in our industry, this is really important because uh, customers may operate within several sites around the globe and they may need to transfer between sites such as a DS and a DP site. So I'm gonna teach you guys a little something here. So a DS site is a drug substance site and a DP mm -hmm. site is a drug product site. Mm -hmm. So for example, a DS site uh, is where maybe the final drug substance is developed and then it's stored in large quantities. And so let's say if it's developed uh, somewhere in Asia, for example, and it needs to be stored in a secondary container such as the Celsius FFT product, and then later shipped to a DP site, which is the final drug processing site, which can be here in the US, for example. Uh, so it's further processed, either you know sterilized and filtered, whatever final processing it needs to go through until it reaches a final container. So if mm -hmm. meaning something like a bottle or syringe or you know whatever the final version of the product is. So our container can be used to store and ship these drug substances. So, um, and we also have validated it uh, for different types of shipments. So you can ship it on an airplane, you can ship it on a truck, and we've also validated it for these really ultra low temperatures. And the reason why low temperature is important can be several, you know, several things. One is that it's either necessary for the drug, mm. in the case of Pfizer, or it's to protect the integrity of the drug. Um, so as you know, even for foods, you know, if you freeze something, it lasts a lot longer. 
Mm. Um, so in that case, we're, it's the same for the drugs. You know, these can be cells. Um, so you want to validate it for lasting, you know, up to a certain amount of time, either in storage or in shipment and in long periods of storage. Let's say sometimes these things can take weeks to ship. You want to make sure that it's going to survive that trip and not have any kind of contamination or breakage. Uh, so that's really what I do. And that's what my product is for. I remember there was like this huge, because when that was like Pfizer came out with the vaccine and all that, and there was problems with, oh yeah, like this has to be stored under like really, really low temperatures. There is a huge like internet meme going on that like, oh yeah, Pfizer's going to team up with, like, Dippin' Dots oh, since their yeah. ice cream has, you know, it has to be stored under super-duper low temperatures. So people going, oh, my gosh, you're going to get free ice cream once you go get your, like, vaccine. It's going to be great. <laughs> free Dippin' Dots ice cream. You got to love the internet. They never yeah. fail. Never fail you. <laughs> also, yeah, I mean, with the... With like you know the Dippin' Dots freezer and stuff like that, was Satoris the people who made it? Like made the like you know the uh, device that you use? <laughs> the Dippin' Dots freezer? <laughs> well, no, not the not the Dippin' Dots freezer. <laughs> the um the other device that you're using for the uh, vaccines and the medicine. Well, I, I mean, mean, you probably took the formula somewhere, but <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, there are lots of companies that make products similar to ours and also i mean at that time you have to remember pfizer wasn't pfizer may have won the race but they weren't the only company developing a vaccine mm -hmm. so um you know our products were being used by multiple companies um and multiple stages because even if let's say they had a first you know phase that was ready uh, which in our world we would call prototype um you still need to test it um, so we were, you know, involved from the start, you know, and at that point, um, we had just launched our first size. So we had no idea this would happen. And it just so happened that we launched this product that was the exact solution Perfect to what they time. needed. Um, and we've been developing it for years. So there was mm -hmm. no way for us to know that this would become a thing. Um, but, you know, we also had the smaller sizes. That I'm still working to develop. So the product comes in 12 liter, six liter, four liter, and two liter. So the 12 liter is out right now and it's launch product. But um, large quantities like that can be a risk for the customer because if you have even a small tear in your bag, you can lose all 12 liters of your product. Mm. So typically they may want to use a smaller size just in case something was to break, they're not losing as much. So we have a lot of pressure now to develop the smaller sizes and really get them out. Um, so that is what we're working on. And uh, so it's still part of the process, but I would say there are still other companies that are working on different uh, vaccines as well. Um, you know, there's also different technologies involved with vaccine development. So um, it's definitely, you know, there will be more options, I feel, than uh, Pfizer and Moderna. Um, and, and there are other options already in you know, different parts of the world, um, but there's still work to be done there. Who are the other like vaccine manufacturers you guys working with? I, I would say uh, definitely, you know, there's major players in the field. 
And I think, you know, Sartorius announces that through a, a press announcement. Um, but I would say, you know, definitely we're working with a lot of the big players in the market. Um, now to hit something close to home. <laughs> we understand you're a member of the Society of Hispanic Professional Engineers. Yes. How do you feel about the gap of not only Hispanics, but women as well being underrepresented in STEM fields? So um, definitely to touch on the, the SHEP point. Um, sorry, I'm abbreviating here. <laughs> Society of Hispanic <laughs> Professional Engineers. We call them SHEP. Um, I would definitely say I have a great love for the SHEP organization because as a first generation college student, like my first few semesters were very difficult. Um, and, you know, you're kind of on your own, you're trying to figure it out and you don't really feel like you have anyone that you can ask that has been through this before. Uh, so you can sometimes feel a bit lost. And I think that joining Shep, it kind of gave me that sense of community that I was missing. I was able to have role models and friends that had gone through the same challenges I had, people that were taking the same courses I was taking. Uh, so it was definitely a lot uh, more helpful in my college experience. And I think that's really important because it kind of touches on the point of, you know, why we're underrepresented. And I think that uh, many of those underrepresented categories uh, do not know what opportunities are available to them in the STEM field. So maybe they're not uh, really exposed to it in their high schools. Um, and a lot of the times, even if they are, and they do get into that, some of them drop out in the first year and change to other majors um, because of those initial challenges and they are defeated by those initial challenges. So I think, you know, organizations such as that are very helpful to, to get you through the process as well as industries. Um, you know, Shep also partnered with a lot of industries and we had things like uh, events like um, resume reviews and mock interviews. So when it came time to, uh, you know, go out into the world and get a job, that was very helpful for me because I already know, you know, I already knew how to write a good resume um, from industry professionals that I was hoping to interview for. And I uh, had some great strategies of, you know, how to interview. And so that was definitely helpful. So it also shows that industries are, you know, investing in this as well. Um, so it's good to know that they've identified this and they've stepped up to provide more support in those early stages uh, to help those struggling student students kind of see it through. Uh, but similarly, on the industry side, to answer your other question, uh, I think that this is generally a common challenge across the board. Uh, as I've said before, I've, I've worked in different industries and I've had you know the same experience uh, across all of the industries that I've worked in. And for many years, my personal experience I was always the only woman in the room uh, that was an engineer or the only person of color that was an engineer. Um, but I would say more recently in my experience as Sertorius, that has not been my experience. It's kind of been the opposite where I'm surrounded by a very diverse group of engineers and we all support each other and we're all you know, committed to our mission. So I'm very happy to see that in this company. Um, 
I also know that recently they just started a uh, diversity and inclusion committee. Uh, so it kind of focuses on increasing opportunities for underrepresented groups. So that kind of forward thinking is a great step to promote you know, representation in the STEM fields. And it gives me a, a really positive outlook for the future of STEM fields. Um, but yeah, generally it, it wasn't always that way. And I think it's it's still a challenge, but we're, we're definitely moving in the right direction. Honestly, every person that we've met in like, because of our research class, it's always been like, like Dr. Grella, our research teacher that, you know, gave us a chance to do this. She's awesome. She's great. Like, I know great like, woman. oh yeah, there's a huge, you know, across the board, there's underrepresented women, Hispanics and all that. But man, if you told me that that's what people are going up against or more like her, <laughs> whoa, those five, 10% they're they're circling around people because man <laughs> yeah i know she could do that it's and there's crazy. definitely a lot more there's definitely a lot more women that are coming into the field and they are doing incredible it's amazing i have i can't believe i haven't seen some in like you know top threes because like some of the people that we work with that we speak to they're just great individuals that actually love what they're doing and actually like you know take a lot of time and develop you know to become great and another thing i love about this company is that i get to travel you know, around the world. So I get to see like, not only, you know, what is the experience in North America, but how are things working on the other side of the world? And even here in France, like I work with many different women engineers and I'm constantly impressed and intimidated <laughs> by, you know, how smart they are and how on top of their game they are. And uh, it's really great to see that it's not, you know, just my experience in the US, but also here and in Germany. And it's, it's really great to see that. So Juan and I spoken to our research teacher before about the importance of making students and people fall in love with science while we attended the biobus in Sunka Meadow Marsh in Long Island. Uh, have you heard about that actually? Well, the biobus? Yes. Have you heard about the biobus? Actually, no. Can you tell me about it? So when me and Juan went to Sunka Meadow Marsh, we attended uh, the biobus. And this is basically like a portable like laboratory where like, you know, students all around Long Island, New York. And yeah, just not even in New York. Uh, the head person of the biobus, her name was Sarah. One she said founders. that, she was yeah, one of the founders, founders, portable like laboratory. It was incredible. We actually worked a little bit on our exper experiments there. So it was it was a fun thing. It was a fun thing to go through. I, and a lot of and people, um, the main, you know, had diverse things. To the, talk main about. the main component of the biobus was it was going to go to, you know, nearby minority uh, schools that don't really have this type of science. And thankfully, it's coming to our school because I don't remember doing any real science until at <laughs> least seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth, really. But I must say ninth. <laughs> but yeah. Um, that sounds great. So yeah, while we were speaking with our research teacher, we spoke about how some students are capable of doing genuine experiments very early on in their grade, or, you know, just doing experience in general, field work, and even how some schools have planetariums, which I personally didn't even know myself. That No, that's super cool. Yeah, that, that, that's very that cool. Is cool. <laughs> our earth science teacher, Dr. Scale, um, Dr. Scale, sorry, Mr. Scale, a wish doctor, but Mr. Scale. <laughs> um, he was awesome but i like you know i i understood in class where you know i've known like even my sister had a hard time 
like in our science. I don't think it was his fault because I see people sleep in this class. Yeah, Mr. Skater but, was like, a great earth scientist. If you told teacher. me there was a planetarium that we could, oh yeah, here's the moon, like that would be so sick. Yeah, that that's amazing. And I this is kind of what I was saying earlier that, you know, sometimes I go back to Stony Brook and I see things that weren't there when I, I was a student and I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, definitely I'm like, okay, that's not fair. <laughs> but, <laughs> but but at the same time, I'm so excited for the students because I'm like, oh, they're going to learn so much. And and I feel like education is really advancing. Like, um, I think this idea of the bio bus is amazing and sounds like a lot of fun. And it whoever is, came up was. with it great job because that just sounds so great um but i know like when i left stony brook we had something new that was called an innovation lab and it was just somewhere where you can kind of just tinker with things and create so you can just like have wires and resistors and power tools and build whatever you wanted to build or or just try things out 3d printers um so it was like you know instead of learning these things in class only you get to learn in class, but also try it. Try it out with yeah. for your own, you know? And we never really had that before. And so when you went to industry, you weren't really prepared because these were the first times you were seeing s- specific tools. And so in this case, now you could see it beforehand. And so I really think that's a, a great idea. So with all um, these... Oh, my bad. You got more stuff? No, no, no. I was going to get back oh. to your question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But... Anyways, um, with all these outlets, practices, and, you know, just opportunities that some students are unavailable to connect to, what can you say or do to influence someone to, you know, lead them into the love of science like you have? I would definitely say, um, just on your first point there, like, if people aren't able to connect, like, if it's not available in their school, um, there's always an outlet, and you just have to be curious, and you got to find it. Um, I know... um, when I came to Long Island from New York City, you know, I didn't really know where or how to find anything. But I, I did learn that even at the libraries, you have free access to so many things. You know, some libraries have 3D printers. Um, some libraries, you know, you, you can rent. Like, there, there's just so much opportunity. You just have to find it. Um, but in the case of, like, the, the SHEP organization in Stony Brook, um, there was an event that was, that's hosted each year. Uh, I don't know with, you know, the pandemic, if it's happened this year, uh, or last, uh, but with Brentwood actually, uh, called, uh, Noche de Ciencias. And it's just a night where they invite the students and the parents, and they kind of teach them about opportunities in the STEM fields and, uh, opportunities, um, in college as well. Uh, so, uh, part of it is, you know, one of the main activities there is that they'll create an experiment or assignment that they give to the students to create something uh, where they're learning, but they're also having fun in the process. So hoping to inspire people and get people interested and ask questions and also to kind of, uh, you know, show the parents a little bit like what the kids are learning or what opportunities there are. Cause I feel like there's a gap there as well. You know, where a lot of families that, uh, um, you know, have um, immigrated to the U S and, and they're not exactly sure what's going on in school. Um, so for example, you can say like you can host an event where, you know, students can have to create a race car uh, using things like uh, 
mousetrap and pencils and CDs and, you know, have this, the Stony Brook students kind of guide uh, the Brentwood students through the process. And then at the end, you know, you get to race your race cars against each other and have fun. And uh, it sounds so simple, but believe it or not, that was one of our final assignments in freshman year. (laughs) I didn't know that. That's cool. cool. Because the only power you can use, like, as your motor was the power of the snap from the mouse car. So what makes one car go faster than the other? You know, and that's really where you got to get creative and, and you have to think about all the scientific aspects involved. And then you race and you see who wins. So it's a lot of fun. Um, but yes, back to the question. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine. Definitely, you know, talk about the love of the science that you grew up with. It's great to hear it. Question. Uh-huh. What's, what's sure. your favorite type of coffee? Oh, gosh. Definitely mocha. Anything with chocolate in it. Because <laughs> my dad keeps telling me, like, we started doing this and, like, we started working also at our library, which... You know, to me, it was always such a fun place because, yeah, they gave us, like, activities to do. Like, I remember one of them was they had, like, 3D uh, 3D pens, I guess. I don't know. I don't know what they were called. Oh, yeah. Like, that program, to, like, right? 3D print oh, yes. something. Yeah. And, like, yeah. it was so cool just making something out of it. And, um, I mean... yeah, my, you know, I started working there because, you know, I had good times. And so my dad was saying, once you start working... You can be drinking coffee for the rest of your life. <laughs> and I'm just like, I haven't drank coffee yet. But from our MBK, uh, there's people that come and speak to us. They always told us, like, I remember there's one dude um, that went to, like, the corporate world in Wall Street. And he hasn't drank any coffee. And they said uh, on his first day, have you drank your coffee? And he's like, no. <laughs> and they're like, you're gone. You won't make it out today. <laughs> I, I know some people that don't drink coffee at all. And I'm just like, who are you? <laughs> um, but I, I mean, I don't think so. I think that you don't really need it. I know that there was a point where I was drinking like three cups a day or, or more, you know, just always drinking coffee. But now it's like maybe I have one in the morning and that's it like for the whole day. And even today, I didn't have any today. And uh, like almost 9 p.m. It's been a long day for me and I'm still I'm still running. Still kicking. So, <laughs> so I would say, no, nah, you don't really need it. <laughs> um, what was it? But I wanted to, you reminded me of something where now they're making toys to kind of get kids interested in science at a very young age. Like I saw these kind of like Lego blocks that if you connect them, you can connect the circuit. And like light something up and you know teach them about circuitry and i was like that's so cool there was a <laughs> such a great idea especially for a little kid because then it's interesting too yeah um that's so the I major think, thing exactly and there are like ways to to do this and and so um i also mentioned it earlier that i think that you know there's a, a different way that everyone can connect you know like some people like left brain or right brain um so maybe you're very analytical and and you want to be technical and you want to do a deep dive into research and you find out that that's what you love um or maybe uh you have a more artistic side and you know you think about science as an art like how can i be creative what can i do um you know that can work out too for someone like me i'm in product development and so i basically 
you know, I have a problem and I need to create a solution from a blank piece of paper. So I get to be as creative as I want to be. And it doesn't always work. Um, but I had a boss and he had a really good saying that I, I even tell my workers now that we don't have to be perfectionists in this field. We don't have to be, you know, always um, pushing ourselves and putting so much pressure on ourselves to succeed. Failure is okay. Failure is part of the process. You know, let's encourage ourselves to fail um, because that's our job. Our job is to fail as long as we eventually succeed. <laughs> and I love that because then it made us more comfortable because when you fail, you're learning. Mm -hmm. And that's that's a good thing. You need to be learning and in order to move forward to get to the end. Um, so basically, I think, you know, there's an opportunity for everyone. And, uh, you know, I think just to, to get people interested, I mean, now there's so many ways, like I said, the toys at a young age or even just connecting with students like what we're doing now. This is I really love to do this kind of thing. And you know, hopefully uh, someone listening to this podcast will be inspired and uh, we'll see what happens. You definitely have inspired someone. I could tell you that. <laughs> okay. well, I would like to continue on with the fact that you said, like, you know, uh, you have to fail as much and eventually you'll try. Because um, Dr. Carla kept telling us, like, you know, the process isn't futile. Like, you know, the things we're going through, the amount of times we, you know, we do a project and we feel like we're going nowhere with it like you know has to encourage us to keep going forward and you know figure something yeah. out and that to me was the best thing about her class i don't think i would have learned that anywhere else but you know in her research class yeah i, I think a lot of times we have this pressure to be perfectionist and there are places where that's good but you know in a role such as this you have to figure things out fast we're all perfectionists and there's there's definitely um, room to be a perfectionist. I don't think there's anything wrong with being a perfectionist, but you also got to leave room um, to be open, open to new ideas, open to failing, open to being able to adapt. Because I think that is like the greatest skill that you can have, um, being able to change change uh, which road you're going down, you know? And I, I really think that that will help a lot of people in many different fields. Well, um any last questions because truthfully i don't really have a last question you got something Juan? you want to say anything before we end off uh i just want to say thank you for uh, oh no thank, thank you. you for thank coming. you yes thank you for reaching out i was so excited uh, when when chorus uh told me about this opportunity because i just love um you're really kind of giving back and uh talking with people in the community and opening that door to, you know, the other side. Um, because I know when I was younger, I had wished that I had people to talk to and uh, questions to ask about a million different things. And so I'm glad that I can be that person. And so thank you for yeah. giving me that opportunity. Glad you was able to, you know, talk about your love, your interests and all that other kind of stuff. Because, you know, this podcast, I mean, yeah, this podcast, this interview was all for you. like you. Yeah, uh, we, we wouldn't have it. Thanks, guys. I, uh, this is not podcast related, but I'd, I'd love to hear more about you guys. Oh, well, I mean, uh, sure. I, I, <laughs> you I, I go guess, first, I, Josh, you go first. I guess we can implement this in. 
So yeah, um, I'm Joshua Castellanos. Uh, I love Brentwood. I slowly, like each year, each month, each day, each hour, I find new reasons to love the community and love the place that I've been in. Um, one of the things that made me start loving this community was the Brown Public Library, which is why I got you know a little bit excited when you started talking about the library because it is actually incredibly insane that like, you know, the library and just like things that are so close to you you know, just have a lot they of hooked, opportunity. They, they hooked us up. They hooked yeah, they, us. they hooked us. The library has done so much for us. And truthfully, if it wasn't for the library, we wouldn't even be talking to you right now. Oh, because, really? Yeah, wow. because, because me and Juan uh, do a podcast called Average Run with Teens. And Juan, do you want to do you want to say how it kind of spiraled? I personally thought that would be a pretty cool idea, having our voices out. And so I asked Joshua, and just like a movie, he said... Why would I want to do that? Yeah, I was, I was, I was kind of stubborn. <laughs> and so then we went on it. And, you know, it's just the library. Like, not many people go. It's a very specific group of people. It's not just nerds that, like, ah, I need a book. Like, yeah. it's cool. And, like, they have, like, great programs that people, you know, sometimes usually come in. But we found the average man with teens and no one was going into it. Not a lot of people were going into it. And yet. then we continued and continued and do that. It would spiral into, oh, let's make, let's science that. Oh, let's make to the classroom to create podcast. Oh, and then now we're talking to people like you. Yeah. And, top, you know, now that. we're doing it. Now we're doing it for the state. And it's insane how it's just like what you said. You really feel like sometimes you're not even going to end up where you ended up at. We just started doing this when yeah. we were freshmen and now we're seniors and now we're talking to you and Europe, oh, yeah. so yeah. Uh, that is to... so cool. I'm so happy to hear that. And, was... and just so you guys know, I'm, I'm from the area. My brother oh, yeah. and sister went to Brentwood High School. Um, so I've been to that library so many times. Yes, uh, great place, yeah. great place. Uh, I guess I'm supposed to do me now. I'm Juan Carlos yeah. Legato, dad from Ecuador. The third. from Salvador. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the third. Um, <laughs> I love video games, manga, just read Akira because of Kanye. Um, I enjoy this. I enjoy speaking to people. Yeah, I enjoy speaking to really cool people, and having access to this as well. This is you super guys got to cool. keep it up. This is so oh, great. Sure. We even ask yeah. Chorus to like come on. We're definitely well. gonna continue this. Yeah, I, I'm so excited for you. Like, I I think like, even just you learning through so many people about. You know, even like you said, the dial, the strings and the science of strings and music like that's crazy. It was fun to hear him rant. He got so happy when we started talking about his family. Oh, oh yeah. Man. And then he got we got started on Beatles albums that we all listened to. Oh, man. So, uh, no, but this is such a great opportunity for you guys. I'm so yes. excited to see and what for you do. Thank Are you. you keep going and uh yeah uh, we're gonna <laughs> i don't want to toot my horn but i really feel like me and juan are gonna go big we're gonna do some great things i i believe it i believe it <laughs> this is awesome and you guys have such charisma it's like perfect <laughs> it's it really is <laughs> so yeah um, i mean if if that's all you have to say uh is that all I think so. I think we can all go and enjoy our dinner now. All right. Well, <laughs> thank you all for tuning into our conversation with Jessica Cruz. We hope all of you enjoyed it. Thank you once again. Always have to be thanking thank you, you, Miss Ms. Cruz, for it fitting us into your busy honor. schedule. Yes, to discuss all the great things that we've spoken about today. 
So much love to you, Jessica Cruz, and the audience from Long Island. We hope you're well-fed and enjoy your day. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Classroom to Career podcast. We hope you enjoyed, and big thanks to the Classroom to Career program for assisting in the creation of this podcast. If you would like to hear more episodes, check us out on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else involving podcasts. We hope you have a nice day and much love from Long Island.